Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 215 of GDPR Weekly Show, the number one GDPR podcast worldwide. And coming up in this week's episode, we have news of a data breach at American Airlines. We then have news of a data breach at Challenger Bank Revolut. And we then travel to Spain, where their regulator, the AEPD, has fined Google 10 million euros for breaches of GDPR. We then travel to Montana in the USA, where Cash Express has had a data breach. And we then return to the UK, where the police in Oxfordshire have arrested a 17-year-old man in connection with the cyber attack on Uber, which we brought you details of last week here on GDPR Weekly Show. We then travel to Norfolk in the UK, where Wimondon High School has had a data breach. And then to Australia, where telecom operator Optus has had a data breach. We then return to Northern Ireland, where police service of Northern Ireland staff have had a date set for their court hearing regarding alleged data breaches. We then travel to New York, where Empress EMS Ambulance Service have had a data breach. And then we have some general guidance. The FBI has issued some advice on how to minimise the impact of ransomware. And with ransomware becoming more prevalent, we think it's good to bring that advice to you all here. We then have some thoughts on employee activity monitoring and some of the GDPR implications of that. And we then travel to Brussels where the CJEU has ruled that someone's title should be regarded as special category data under GDPR as it could inadvertently reveal someone's gender. So if you go to a data privacy impact assessment and you do hold someone's title, i.e. Mr, Mrs, Ms, Doctor, Counselor, whatever, then you do need to revisit that data protection impact assessment to make sure that you did count that field as special category data when you conducted the assessment. And obviously, if you didn't, then you need to revisit the data protection impact assessment and reconsider the risk. And then finally this week, we have news that the EDPB has stated its case for an increased workforce and an increased budget for the 2023-2024 financial year. So as always, a wide range of articles for you this week here on the GDPR Weekly Show. We hope that you find the content in the articles useful and informative. And we always love receiving your feedback. So if you do have any feedback for us, please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. We start this week in news that American Airlines has informed customers of a data breach after hackers access sensitive personal information from an undisclosed number of employee email accounts. The Texas-based firm first learned of a hack on July the 5th. To prevent further intrusion and potential data abuse, American Airlines took measures to secure the impacted email account. It's understood that several personal details may have been exposed in the attack, including employees' and customers' names, dates of birth, mailing addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, driver's license numbers, passport numbers, and or certain medical information. American Airlines stressed that there's currently no evidence that the exposed data has been misused. American Airlines is working alongside a cybersecurity forensic firm to investigate the incident. Additionally, the airline revealed it will offer affected customers two years of free Experian Identity Works membership to help them detect and resolve identity theft. Andrea Coos, American Airlines Senior Manager for Corporate Communications, said American Airlines is aware of a phishing campaign that led to the unauthorised access to a limited number of team member mailboxes. A very small number of customers and employees' personal information was contained in those email accounts. While we have no evidence that any personal information has been misused, data security is of the utmost importance and we offer customers and team members precautionary support. We are also currently implementing additional technical safeguards to prevent a similar incident from occurring in the future. If we get any further update on this from American Airlines, we will just bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. 
wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. The personal details of thousands of customers were exposed after a digital challenger bank, Revolut, was hit by a highly targeted cyber attack. Resolute, which launched in the UK in 2015, admitted that a third party gained access to the personal details of around 32,000 of its customers, but said no funds had been accessed or stolen. A Revolut spokesperson said the company immediately identified and isolated the attack to effectively limit its impact and has contacted those customers affected. It added that customers who have not received an email have not been impacted. The spokesperson said, We take incidents such as these incredibly seriously and we would like to sincerely apologise to any customers who have been affected by this incident, as the safety of our customers and their data is our top priority at Revolut. In an email to affected customers, Revolut said, As you were part of a very small percentage of affected customers, we want to reassure you that your data is now safe and we understand that you may have questions about this incident. Your money is safe as always, it said. You can use your account and account normally. However, it added that it could be a greater risk of fraud for impacted customers. In the email, Revolut said, As a precaution, we have created a dedicated team to monitor your account and keep your money and account safe. We recommend that you be especially vigilant for any suspicious activity, including suspicious emails, phone calls or messages. Early indications are that the Revolut hack was a result of social engineering, most probably a phishing attack. If we get any confirmation of this or any further details from Revolut, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To Spain now, and the AEPD, the Spanish equivalent to our ICO, has issued its decision against Google, imposing a fine of 10 million euros for violations of two articles of GDPR. The two violations were against Article 6 regarding lawful processing of data and Article 17 regarding the right to be forgotten. Google's Article 17 violations primarily consisted of making it difficult for users to submit requests for removal of content. Google required users to follow a complicated process that included selecting which Google services it wanted data removed from, the grounds upon which the request was being made, for example, defamation, copyright infringement, harassment, personally identifying information, etc., and then only routing users who selected certain predefined grounds for deletion to the web form. According to the APD, Google violated Article 6 of GDPR in its dealings with the Lumen Project, a US-based legal database where these requests were sent. Google's privacy policy did not address its data transfers to Lumen, which included non-anonymized identifying information, email addresses and legal claims. It also failed to allow its users to opt out of the data transfers. The fine is the fourth received by Google under GDPR and the second largest overall, following a 50 million euro fine from the French DPA in 2019. The Swedish and Belgian DPAs have also levied fines against Google under GDPR. AEPD issued fines of 5 million euros for each of the two violations of GDPR, bringing a total of 10 million euros, or approximately 10.2 million US dollars. Google is also required to bring its data posting into compliance with GDPR factors influencing the size of the fine, including Lumen processes data in a non-member state, i.e. the USA. Data subjects could not object to the transfer. The data processing continued over a long period of time, even prior to GDPR, and the database holding the private data was publicly accessible. The history to the case is that in 2009, a Spaniard by the name of Trastija Gonzalez asked the newspaper to remove some decade-old information about his past. His case against Google eventually reached the CJEU, Europe's highest court, in May 2014. 
the ECJ found against Doodle. The case centres around the fact that when you make a search on Doodle for someone's name, you can get to see scattered moments of their life presented in an unordered context on the screen. But if you take all that information together, you might be able to create a fairly detailed profile of the person. Doodle negotiated with EU data protection authorities to take ownership of the process of allowing individuals to exercise their rights and request to be forgotten. Doodle made the process to apply for exercise this right burdensome to the point that it frustrated the purpose of exercising the right of suppression. Because of these burdens, the AEPD ruled consent obtained from individuals this way was invalid because of the lack of options given. It emphasised that organisations must give individuals the ability to exercise their rights in a straightforward manner, not confuse their own policies with the law as a deciding factor when fulfilling such requests. We did approach Doodle for a comment, but at the time of going to broadcast, they have not come back to us. To Montana in the USA now, and Cash Express has reported to the Montana Attorney General that it had a data breach that had given an unauthorised party access to sensitive consumer information from more than 100,000 individuals. Cash Express, which provides payday loans, check cashing, title loans and other high-cost short-term loan services, said in a letter to affected individuals that an unauthorised party obtained their personal information, including birth dates, social security numbers, financial information and contact information earlier this year. The Cookville, Tennessee-based company didn't provide specific details about how the breach had occurred. If we get any update on this from Cash Express or the Montana Attorney General, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. In last week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we brought news about a data breach at Uber. And this week, the UK police have announced that they've arrested a 17-year-old in Oxfordshire on suspicion of the hack, and it's believed he may also be involved in the hack of Grand Theft Auto version 6. City of London Police said today that the arrest took place on Thursday evening and that the suspect remains in custody. It's understood that the arrest was made in concert with an investigation being conducted by the FBI in the USA. While it's not yet been confirmed whether the attacker did indeed perform both the Grand Theft Auto and Uber hacks, Uber released a statement on Monday acknowledging the potential link. Uber said it believed that its attacker or attackers are affiliated with a hacking group called Lapsus, which has been increasingly active over the last year. The hacking collective, which may be based in South America, is thought to be responsible for a series of cyber attacks against major technology companies, including NVIDIA, Microsoft, Ubisoft, Samsung and Vodafone. And of course we've brought you details of many of those breaches in previous episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. On Monday this week, Rockstar's parent company Take-Two publicly acknowledged the Grand Theft Auto leak and claimed it had taken steps to isolate and contain the incident. We recently suffered a network intrusion in which an unauthorised third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from our systems, including early development footage of the next Grand Theft Auto, it said. At this time, we do not anticipate any disruption to our live game services nor any long-term effect on the development of our ongoing projects. We're extremely disappointed to have details of our next game shared with you all in this way. Our work on the next Grand Theft Auto game will continue as planned and we remain as committed as ever to deliver an experience to you, our players, that truly exceeds your expectations. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. To Norfolk in the UK now and parents are calling for an investigation into a Norfolk school after an email containing confidential details of students' mental health was mistakenly sent to all pupils. 
Wimondham hired had a mere confirmed that a staff member accidentally sent a message containing information about children who referred to its wellbeing services with anxiety to the entire school. Staff said they were looking into what happened, but parents are calling for the school to refer itself to the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, the organisation responsible for investigating data and privacy breaches in the UK. The email contained the names of every pupil who has been referred for support with anxiety. The message was intended for staff members, however it instead landed in the mailboxes of the school's 1,500 pupils. The school said it has since recalled the message and has contacted the families of the children affected by the breach to explain what happened. One parent, whose child was not listed, said a school's first priority is to safeguard the children in their loco parentis care, even before education. In these days, GDPR and the 21st century IT systems to prevent it, there's simply no excuse for this kind of data breach. I hope the Academy has referred itself both to the ICO and the relevant safeguarding authorities. Head teacher Jonathan Rocky said the senior leadership team within the Academy is aware of the breach. This was an internal email sent by a member of staff to recipients within the Academy community, he said. However, the email should not have been distributed in the way that it was, nor should the information have been shared in this way. Mr Rocky confirmed that the incident was being investigated as a data breach. He added, our data protection officer is investigating the incident and is helping us determine the next steps. The Academy has already contacted the parents and pupils directly impacted by this, as well as taking action to both recall and limit the distribution of the email. The Academy does not intend to make any further comment on this point, as an investigation is currently underway. A spokesman for the ICO said that as of Thursday, the incident had yet to be reported. An ICO spokesperson said organisations must notify the ICO within 72 hours of becoming aware of a personal data breach unless it does not pose a risk to people's rights and freedoms. If an organisation decides that a breach doesn't need to be reported, they should keep their own record of it and be able to explain why it wasn't reported if necessary. Our personal view is that this incident most definitely should be reported to the ICO, mainly because it involves medical data relating to children And even without the medical data, of course, since the Children's Code came into force on the 2nd of September 2021, then any data relating to children is regarded as special category data as far as GDPR is concerned. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To Australia now, an Australian telecom company Optus, which has 9.7 million subscribers, has suffered a massive data breach. According to reports, names, date of birth, phone numbers and email addresses may have been exposed, while a group of customers also had their physical addresses and documents like driving licences and passport numbers exposed. The attackers are thought to be a state-sponsored hacking group or some sort of criminal organisation and breach companies' firewalls to get to sensitive information. It's understood that Australia's Information Commissioner has been notified. We've reached out to Optus for a statement, but at the time of going to broadcast, they've not yet come back to us. To Northern Ireland now, and two police service of Northern Ireland whistleblowers who spoke publicly on a BBC Spotlight programme about serious allegations of misconduct and negligence on the Causeway, Courts and Glens Policing District are set to contest allegations of breaching data protection laws. The cases of Donna Marie Ann Belton, 50, and John Edward O'Connor, 45, with an address listed as Police Service of Northern Ireland Colrane, were mentioned at Colrane Magistrates Court sitting in Ballymena yesterday to fix a date for the contest. A third defendant, 35-year-old Lindsay McLaughlin, with an address of Police Service of Northern Ireland Strand Road, Londonderry, is facing a similar charge connected with the same case. District Judge Peter King set a date for contesting the charges for Tuesday the 31st of January 2023. So we will, of course, return to this when that case has taken place to bring you details of the outcome right here on the GDPR Weekly Show. 
contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. To New York now, an Empress EMS, Emergency Medical Services, a New York-based emergency response and ambulance service provider, has disclosed a data breach that exposed customer information. According to the notification, the company suffered a ransomware attack on July the 14th, 2022. An investigation into the incident revealed that the intruder gained access to Empress EMS's systems on May the 26th, 2022, and about a month and a half later on July the 13th, the hackers exfiltrated a small subset of files a day before deploying the encryption. Some of these files contain patients' names, dates of service, insurance information, and in some instances, social security numbers, Empress EMS said in a statement. Empress EMS is mailing letters to affected individuals and offering eligible individuals credit monitoring services, the company said. The details of the attack describe a standard double extortion ransomware incident where cybercriminals steal files, encrypt the systems, and then threaten the victim to publish the data unless a ransom is paid. Although the company does not mention the group responsible for the attack, it's believed that the Hive ransomware gang could well be behind this particular incident. Empress informed the US Department of Health and Human Services that the number of individuals affected by the incident is 31,855. However, the concerns that more people might have been impacted. The notice explains that they even those who haven't received a letter but can confirm they used Empress EMS services via healthcare statements should contact the firm by October the 9th, 2022 to benefit from the free credit monitoring services. Empress EMS states that it's strengthened the security of its systems and protocols to prevent similar incidents from happening in the future. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR made simple. Available now on Amazon. We've mentioned ransomware attacks quite a few times in recent weeks, and it does seem to be an increasing situation across the world of data protection. And so we thought it was prudent to bring you this checklist from the FBI, which has been issued in the USA, which they're recommending that US corporations take to try and minimise the impact of ransomware. And of course, these measures work just as well wherever in the world you are. So their suggestions are that you keep all your operating systems so whether that's Windows, Linux, Mac, whatever, up to date. And also you keep all software up to date with updates from software providers as they become available. That you implement a user training program and you actually carry out some phishing exercises so you can see who perhaps is most vulnerable to phishing attempts because if they take part and they fail in your test, then they probably are a good candidate for extra training. And remember, you know, testing is there to test. So it doesn't matter if people fail. It's that failure that identifies those who need training. Uh, They also say that you should require strong, unique passwords for all accounts with password logins, that wherever possible, you should use multi-factor authentication, that you should maintain offline, i.e. physically separate backups of data, and of course, make sure that you can test that backup and restoration so that you might know that if the worst does happen and you need to restore from backup, that A, you know how to do it, and B, you know that your backup's actually working. They also say to protect cloud storage by backing up to multiple locations, requiring multi-factor authentication for access, and encrypting data if it's stored in the cloud. If you're using Linux, then use a Linux security module such as SE Linux, App Armor, or SecComp for defense in depth. Segment your networks to help prevent the spread of ransomware. Enforce the principle of least privilege through automation policies. Implement time-based access for privileged accounts and disable unneeded command line utilities, constrain scripting activities and permissions, and always monitor their usage. 
And we think there would be great suggestions and tips there. And if you've got any more tips for us, of course, please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com and we're glad to include your tips in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. We've been involved in a couple of cases this week where employers have been monitoring what their employees are doing in one case, using vehicle trackers, and in a second case, just using some desktop logging software on their computer. But both of those bring some dilemmas as far as GDPR is concerned, because you are dealing with personal data, and it has been reached as a consensus that continuous tra- tracking of what employees are doing is not fair to them. Now, of course, you may want to implement tracking where you suspect there's some wrongdoing, and that's fine. But you do need to be extremely careful if you're monitoring your employees 24-7. And so what sort of things should you consider? Well, carefully review the capabilities and monitoring techniques of any vendor you plan to engage for advanced threat monitoring purposes, including analysing potential privacy-focused settings, such as identity masking, and also, you know, speak to some of their existing customers. Have they had any issues which have come up which have been GDPR or data protection related? And how have they got around them? Of course, always carefully assess which data protection laws are applicable and what the specific requirements of the jurisdictions that you work within are, including requirements to work with and engage with either your union or local works council or any other employee body that you might have in place. Always complete a data privacy impact assessment of the technology that you are planning to use. Ensure that your contracts with your vendors properly address data protection law requirements and limit their ability to use data for secondary purposes. And develop program documentation and processes to justify the monitoring, such as by providing prior notice of monitoring practices to all impacted employees, limiting monitoring techniques used to the least intrusive measures by default, implementing tiered monitoring practices based on the risk presented by each employee group, i.e. employees handling particularly sensitive data might require heightened monitoring, Develop technical and procedural measures designed to prevent the recording, review and retention of non-work-related personal data, including considering whether the applicable law even allows you as their employer to prohibit personal use of company-owned systems. Make sure any data you collect is retained in line with your retention policy and always add human oversight of the deployment of advanced intrusive monitoring practices. And put yourself in the position of the employee. You know, if you were that person, would you consider what your proposing to do as the employer to be fair would you expect them to do it example might be for instance if you have some vans out delivering parcels then you might well argue that it makes sense to have a tracker on those vans a for security and b so that you can advise customers when their particular parcel is likely to be delivered and providing you're open with your employees that those trackers are in the vehicle then there's no particular problem with that but You do need to be careful if you then start using that information, for instance, to see how long that driver parks up in a lay-by to eat his lunch or to go to the toilet or whatever reason he or she may have stopped. Because unless you've been explicit about that in your employee privacy policy, if that employee subsequently submits a data subject access request to you and you have to produce that information to him or her, you might have some difficulty explaining your legitimate interest in actually holding that information without having told them that you were collecting it. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. 
to Brussels now and on the 1st of August 2022 the Court of Justice of the European Union, the CJEU, in the Chief Official Ethics Commission, case C18420, ruled that the publication of personal data are indirectly disclosing the sexual orientation of a natural person constitutes posting a special category of personal data for the purposes of Article 9, Paragraph 1 of GDPR. So what does that actually mean? It means that whilst things are like medical history, membership with a trade union, religious belief, etc., have always been considered special category data under GDPR and indeed under UK GDPR, this now actually puts someone's title into that same category. So it couldn't mean revisiting some data privacy impact assessments because previously you probably didn't consider whether the fact that you had a field within your data that stored someone's title, i.e. Mr., Mrs., Ms., Sir, Lady, Counselor, Doctor, whatever, would be regarded as sensitive data. But this new ruling means that it should be. So if you've not previously considered that field of sensitive data, you do need to revisit your privacy policy, for instance, and you do also need to revisit any data protection impact assessments that involve that field and make sure you've handled them correctly. Staying in Brussels, and the European Data Protection Board, the EDPB, and the European Data Protection Supervisors, EDPS, have both made strong arguments to the European Commission for an increase in their 2023 budget to enable them to increase their number of staff. Both organisations are saying that without this increase to their workforce, they will struggle to cope with everything that's being put on them to administer GDPR across the European Union. They've asked for... They've asked for eight additional staff members, four officials and four contractual agents for the EDPB Secretariat, in addition to its current 40 staff members, and eight additional staff members for the EDPS itself, again five officials in this case, and three contractual agents. For the EDPB, its proposed budget is €7.766 million Euros for the year 2023. This represents an increase of 14% compared to 2022, but the budget remains 17% below where it should be if the original plans for the DPP and its expansion have been taken in recent years. They say that the increased workforce would strengthen three essential pillars for the success of GDPR. The credibility of enforcement. They say that as DPAs are developing their enforcement activities, this generates more disputes requiring the DPP's intervention, a unique responsibility in the EU digital regulatory governance landscape. If the EDPB cannot settle a dispute within two months, the unilateral decision of the lead supervisory authority will prevail, not taking into account any objections made by other concerned supervisory authorities. They also say that the workforce will enable them to improve the robustness of enforcement as higher fines will inevitably lead to more litigation. The EDPB decisions must therefore meet very high quality standards and be able to withstand the legal firing power of technology companies, both of which require sufficient EDPB staff, and finally, they say that they want to improve the predictability of the legal framework, as EDPB must continue to issue guidance to ensure and promote harmonised application of GDPR. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show and that you found the information useful and informative. We do really appreciate your feedback, so please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com with any comments you might have about the articles we've raised this week, or indeed any suggestions you might have for improvements to the show. The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurance production. 
Please be advised that any advice given during the show is general in nature and should be not be taken as specific legal advice. You should always seek legal advice according to your own specific circumstances. Until next time, bye-bye.